0: Your understanding of the Holy Spirit, though, might be a little bit like uh, a painting uh, by a surrealist artist like this one uh, by Dali. Uh, incidentally, it is called. Uh, this painting is called uh, Apparition of Face and Fruit Dish on a Beach. There you go. If anybody wants to explain it to me afterwards, uh, Phil's here, maybe he'll understand it. Uh, it's one of those bizarre paintings, and you just look at it and think, I haven't got a clue what is going on here. You know there's something fascinating about the Holy Spirit. There's something amazing about the Holy Spirit. But you don't have a clue what's going on, a bit like that painting by Dali. You just don't understand it. And some explanation is needed. Is the Holy Spirit just like then a Dali painting, something to be understood? Or is it actually more than that? When you enter a room, a room of people that perhaps you've never met before, maybe it'll be like this for you after coffee this morning, uh, and you want to get to know somebody, what is the first question that we tend to ask? I tend to ask something along the lines of, uh, you know, what do you do? You know, hello, my name's Libby, what's your name? What do you do? Or what is your job? And the answer that we get to that question gives us a certain level of understanding of who that person is. But if you really want to get to know something more about a person... What sort of questions might we then ask? I'm going to be really mean and get you to turn to your neighbour. What question might you then ask if you want to get to know about somebody? Just maybe share one question each. 30 seconds. Go for it. Okay, that's your 30 seconds, approximately. Anybody uh, feeling confident and courageous this morning wants to shout out the question uh, that their neighbour said? It doesn't have to be yours, you don't have to claim it. Anybody want to say what question? Sorry? Do you come here often? Depends on the scenario and the context that you're in. Do you come here often? Another one? What was that? Which school did you go to? Oh, you're such Edinburgh people. (laughs) My goodness. But actually, there's something in that, isn't it? Because we might ask something like, you know, where are you from? Uh, the answer to that question is really interesting, isn't it? Because it does tell you a huge amount about somebody. Uh, you know, so if somebody asks me, where, where am I from? I'll give you like the last 25 years of my life uh, because I'm from all over the place. I'm actually from Yorkshire, but I've been everywhere. Um, so you find out something by the answer to the next question. You might ask something like, uh, you know, what, what, what brings you joy? What brings you joy? That's a profound one. Or if you've been really naughty, what is your purpose in life? I've never asked that question, but it would be interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it, uh, to find out? So these sorts of, of questions that come after what you do, they take you deeper into the person's story. Uh, they introduce us to who that person really is and where they've come from. You find out more about them. And so through this sermon series that we're just entering into, even though we're going to be asking of God's word, who is the Holy Spirit? What do you do? What does the Holy Spirit do? We also want to discover the answer to some of those deeper questions. Where do you come from? What brings you sadness? What brings you joy? What is your purpose? And so I hope that over uh, this series of sermons and through our discussions in connect groups, if you're not in a connect group, do come and speak to me at the end. I can help you uh, find one uh, to get stuck into. In our discussions in connect groups, we're not just going to be about discovering the work of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does, but also the person of the Holy Spirit and get to know him or her more and, and find out what how the Holy Spirit is continuing to transform the world world and continuing to transform the church and continuing to transform our lives today let's just pray for a moment father god we ask that your holy spirit would be with us now that you would be speaking to us that you be breathing new life into us that just as we're gathered here together as your people that you would be renewing us in jesus name amen So this morning we're going to delve straight in. You'll be pleased to know we are going to read the Bible. And uh, we're going to find out about a a part of the Holy Spirit which is sometimes missed. And that is the spirit in creation. So Naomi is going to come uh, with a little help from Lucy and do our reading this morning.
1: Reading today comes from the first chapter of Genesis, which is the first chapter of the Bible. So, if you are following in the church Bible, it is on page three. Um, which is odd, we don't usually say that. Um, we're reading verses 1 to 8, 11, 16 to 21, 24, and 26. I will attempt to read only those verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seeds in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems, and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. The word of the Lord.
0: So the spirit in creation. It's just worth noticing, uh, noting just as we get into these verses from Genesis chapter one, uh, that whether you believe in a six day creation or that creation occurred over a billion years, whether you believe that it took place exactly as described in Genesis chapters one to three, or whether you think that God was the cause of a cataclysmic explosion, which released energy to cause creation. Theologians tend to agree that the intention of these verses is not to tell us the how or the why of creation, but the who, the who of creation. Genesis one verse one, in the beginning, God created. Genesis one is a theological, not a biological or scientific or um, geological explanation of creation. Genesis one introduces us to the creator God and the Holy Spirit is there at creation in charge from the beginning overseeing and breathing life in the beginning god created so we're going to learn just a few things about what god does god first of all creates god in his nature creates father son and holy spirit created first thing. Second thing is that God actually chose to create. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created because he wanted to, because he could. uh, Creation is like the expression of God's sovereign freedom. He chooses to create. And so then, as, as a result of God's nature, and then his freedom and choice to create. Creativity just flows out from God. If you read um, from from verse 3 of Genesis 1, we see creation unfold, which is a result of God's choice and God's nature. And God said, "'Let there be light,' and there was light.'" And God said, let the lights be in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and the dry ground appear. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. God created. When I bake a cake for my children's birthdays can i just add a caveat here that sometimes i just don't i just go to tesco's or sainsbury's okay but sometimes i do bake cakes for my children's birthdays and and if you're like me you'll get your recipe book out and you'll see a nice picture or you'll go online and find a great picture of this fantastic looking cake that you're going to create uh, for a child's birthday and I spent hours making the cake, cutting out the things that you're doing, building it all up But my cakes never turn out like the ones in the book or on the internet. You know, I have lumps and bumps where there's not meant to be lumps and bumps. And you know that rolly-out icing uh, that you have? Like, mine always gets little bits of cake stuck in it, uh, and it never looks as beautiful as it does on the internet or in the book. My version of that cake and what actually comes out, despite my struggle, uh, don't look the same. Uh, I found this great illustration of what I'm talking about here. Um, it, yours might look like this, so, Shanks, can we have that picture up? Um, saw a hedgehog cake on Pinterest. No, you'll I particularly like the hedgehog's mouth. do you love that? that? That is like my sort of cake. I, I was looking at that, and I was thinking, I'd be really impressed if I made that pink hedgehog cake. Anyway. When God creates, though, there's no sense of struggle or, or you know, got to get it out and I've got this creation inside of me and I've got to get it out and it's really, really hard work. Um, there's no sense of wrestling with creation. God's creation is perfect. God's creation is perfect in every way, first time. The Spirit of God speaks and creation just happens. There's no sense of wrestling or getting creation out of himself. Let there be light. Let there be sky. Let there be dry ground and plants and trees and lights and sky and flowers and earth. And it just happens. However it happens, God's creation is perfect. There are no mistakes in it. And fourthly, God's creation shouts of who God is is God's creation shouts of who God is you might not see yourself as a creative type Uh, we're not all artists or bakers or knitters but we all do create and what we create our creativity is something of a demonstration of who we are I've created in a sense this sermon you see something of me within it Ann Burnett, lots of you know her. She's part of our church here. Um, she bakes incredibly. And uh, in her baking, we see something of who she is, her precision. She was telling me this morning that she'd been baking something that had 0.6 grams of something in it. I don't think my scales even do that. Um, she's precise. She, you see something of her love and her generosity and hospitality through her baking, The way our musicians uh, play their music, or if you're a musician, the way you play your music, it shows something of who you are. The way you might teach a lesson. The way you might create fun with friends over a weekend. The way that you build community. The way you might create a training course in your workplace. The photographs you take, or the family you organise. The food that you cook or the holiday that you're planning, the project that you're working on. What we create is a demonstration often of who we are. And creation itself and everything in creation just shouts of who the spirit of God is. It's an expression of God. Immense vistas and mountains, intricate detail, mind-blowing colors contrast and similarity it's all life-giving it's all sustaining it's an expression of God's love for everything he's made creation takes us deeper into the story of God into those questions we mentioned at the beginning who are you what's your purpose what makes you sad and what makes you happy it takes us deeper into the story of the Holy Spirit if I went around this room and I asked uh, you all here, where is it that you find it easiest to connect with God, to really experience the presence of the Holy Spirit? I expect that least of us, at least half of us in this room will say something like, it's when I'm walking in the hills, or it's when I see a beautiful view, or when I'm walking uh, by the sea in East Lothian. It's when I I, I see a fantastic flower coming out or the cherry blossom across the meadows. It's when we get outside into God's creation. Because it's often then then that those deep encounters with the Holy Spirit happen. And I'm sure that's because creation just shouts of who God is. And what about the Holy Spirit specifically? What is the Holy Spirit's specific role in creation? There's just two things we're going to look at. How the Holy Spirit breathes new life into creation and also how he renews creation. So firstly, the Spirit breathes life into creation. The first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Bible at all is in those first couple of verses of Genesis 1. Now the earth was formless and empty Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Hebrew word there for spirit is ruach, ruach, which is translated as wind or breath. I used to live in a house with a huge tree outside the front of the house. It was If my front door was here, it was about where Roderick sat on the second row. We had this huge tree at the front of our house. And I could be stood at the front door of my house and feel absolutely no wind at all. But sometimes you could hear in those top branches of the tree a rustling noise. And you'd look up and you could just see that wind was coming and it was just starting to rustle the branches right at the top of this huge tree and they'd be starting to move and sway in the wind. And there was something really mysterious, but also deeply beautiful and powerful about the way that wind moved through the top branches of that tree. And there's something beautiful and mysterious and powerful about the Holy Spirit being described as the wind, the breath of God. Ruach Aloyim, Ruach Aloyim, the Spirit of God, the breath, the wind of God. It speaks to us of the energizing power of God. And then the Holy Spirit is described as hovering over the waters in Genesis 1 verse 2, hovers over the waters. I wonder what you think of when you think of the Spirit of God hovering. To me, it makes me think of an eagle or a large bird hovering high in the skies, brooding over creation, and just sort of ready and watching, just floating on those thermals in the atmosphere. And there's power, isn't there as well? There's power in those wings the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the holy spirit in his power is hovering moving brooding sweeping watching over the chaos overseeing all things and then he breathes life he breathes power and energy into all that is there the spirit is like the artist hovering paintbrush in hand, stood before that empty canvas waiting to create. The Spirit of God enables creation to happen. He brings something out of nothing. He breathes life into form. And for the past 1700 years, Christians have been declaring in our statement of faith, the Nicene Crete, these words about the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. We believe in the Holy Spirit who breathes life, who's the source of life. And it's not just at creation that we see the Holy Spirit breathing life at a crucial time in God's big story. In the birth narratives of Jesus in Luke chapter 1, we hear the angels say this to Mary. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit overshadows Mary and overshadows the birth of Jesus. He is the one who brings life into the darkness and chaos of creation in the Old Testament. And then at the New Testament, in the New Testament, He brings light and life into the darkness and chaos of our lives through the person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit breathes life into his creation he is the giver of life and the holy spirit is still present watching over us breathing life into those dark places of our lives breathing the breath of god into those places in our lives that just need to know his renewal should we just pause for a moment you might want to close your eyes Where is the chaos and the darkness in your situation, or the situations that are a concern to you? Where do you want the Holy Spirit to come and breathe new life into your life, to renew you, to bring into life something that is tired and worn out and weary, to bring new life into a chaotic or dark situation? Just as we sit in quietness for a moment, just as you breathe in, breathe in the Spirit who brings new life. So the Spirit breathes life into the darkness, into the chaos of our lives today, into the darkness and chaos of creation. And lastly, the Holy Spirit continues to renew creation. If you've ever been sailing or seen sailing, you'll know there's no point just putting a sailing boat on the water and just hoping it'll get from A to B. It just won't happen. A good sailor will constantly be trimming the sails and paying attention and making those small adjustments to keep the the, the sailing boat moving, to keep it on its course from A to B. Creation has occurred, but it's still occurring, and so the Holy Spirit's involvement continues. We know that God did not just create and then leave creation to get on with it. God is constantly watching over his creation and renewing his creation through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the whole of history, we see the Holy Spirit's ongoing involvement in creation. We see his love and his power and his presence breaking through at different times in history, different moments, redeeming and renewing and reordering creation. The psalmist captures this beautifully in Psalm 104, verse 30, where he says, When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of your glory. The spirit continues to renew and sustain creation and calls us as his people to come alongside him and join him in doing this. The Holy Spirit has been and will continue to be involved in creation, breathing life, redeeming, enabling fresh starts to come out of disasters. Until creation is brought to full restoration and completion uh, in God's new heaven and new earth at the end of times. this will continue to happen. But as Romans 8 clearly says to us, the whole of creation is described as groaning, in the pains of childbirth we can see this all around us can't we the groaning of creation as it's ravaged and polluted and destroyed and in verse 26 of romans 8 the holy spirit is described as groaning with us for creation are we groaning with the spirit for his creation groaning for the dire state that humanity is in groaning for the dire state of our world I don't know about you but sometimes I just feel overwhelmed by the environmental situation that the, that we've got ourselves into even this morning there's an article on the BBC uh, website which sort of explains the key the, the top five environmental disasters that are happening at the world at the moment I could only get to about number two because it was so overwhelming Are we overwhelmed by the dire circumstances, the dire warnings that we have of global warming, by the pain of the world, by the groaning of creation, or of our own circumstances, or the circumstances of the people that we see around us? I can be inclined, because I feel overwhelmed by it, just to stick my head in the sand and hope it'll go away. But we began with a reminder that the Holy Spirit is not just a thing to be understood, but a person to know. And so the Holy Spirit is there for us to ask, uh, to to give us more of his heart, more of his love, to give us more of his desire to renew creation. We're there to ask him to, to open our eyes, to see what we can join in with him doing in creation. This is not just something uh, for eco-warriors. But if the sustaining and the renewal of creation is right at the heart of the person of the Holy Spirit, then we need to get to know more of that heart as Christians. We all have a responsibility to join in. And that's why here at P&G's, uh, uh, as a key feature of our new strategy, we have caring for creation. We believe it's our responsibility to join in with what God is doing and be a voice. God renews creation, but he wants us to join in with him. For some of us, that might become our life's purpose. For others, it just needs to become part of our lives. We can all do something, all of us. Whether it's, you know, reducing to single-use plastic or reducing our use of single-use plastic or recycling more or eating less meat, uh, red, red meat, or deciding to walk to school or to work every day or using a reusable coffee cup. If we all do little things, we know we read about it all the time. It makes a huge difference. What can we do to join in renewing of God's creation? Just to finish, I want to read some words that really capture lots of what I've been saying this morning. They're words by theologian Keith Warrington as he talks about the creativity of the Holy Spirit. He is in the world, and he surrounds it. He has created it, and he will conclude it, energizing all he created to achieve his designed end, watching it from a distance, but also intimately involved in its progression. He is its designer, its mechanic, its architect, and its structural engineer, its friend, and its God. The Holy Spirit is over all and is in all. He's breathing life. He's renewing.